The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility and love of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship, the liturgy, music, and homily this Lord's Day, this Alumni Sunday, this World Communion Sunday are offered in the praise of God for our community here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice to be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy, for giving us those things of which our conscience is afraid, and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask, except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. May we exchange one another with one another signs of his peace. A lesson from the Lamentations of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. How lonely sits the city that once was full of people. How like a widow she has become, she that was great among the nations. She that was a princess among the provinces has become a vassal. She weeps bitterly into the night with tears on her cheeks. Among all her lovers, she has no one to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile with suffering and hard servitude. She lives now among the nations and finds no resting place. Her pursuers have all overtaken her in the midst of her distress. 
the roads to Zion mourn, for no one comes to the festivals. All her gates are desolate, her priests groan, her young girls grieve, and her lot is bitter. Her foes have become the masters, her enemies prosper, because the Lord has made her suffer for the multitude of her transgressions. Her children have gone away, captives before the foe. From daughter Zion has departed all her majesty. Her princes have become like stags that find no pleasure. They fled without strength before the pursuer. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from the second epistle to Timothy, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did, when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands, For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed. For I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows, there we hung our lyres. For there our captors required of us songs, and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy.
Please stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord, Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 17, verses 5 through 10. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say this to, you could say this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave, who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, Come here at once and take your place at the table. Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to, to do, say, we are all worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The gospel of the Lord. academic year here at Marsh Chapel is conversation. John Wesley reminded us that in our tradition we have two sacraments, that of baptism and that of the Lord's Supper, that of initiation and that of community. The simplest of elements we use, water, bread and cup, a bath and a meal together. The word sacrament means mystery. There's nothing magical here. It is an intertwined intersection, interconnecting in conversation, divine and human. But Mr. Wesley went on to expand the means of grace. So yes, he named five, starting with the sacraments, but then adding as means of grace the study of Scripture, May it be our practice. Morning and evening prayer, may it be our practice. Fasting, by which he meant care and discipline of the body, may it be our practice. And especially faithful conversation, listening and speaking in the moment. The sacrament, if you will, the mystery, the wonder, the means of grace that is conversation. The writer of 2 Timothy, a student of Paul the Apostle wanting to honor Paul, remembered Eunice and Lois. So we have three generations already. This is a late letter. 
And you have mothers in the faith like Eunice and Lois. I know I do. One whose name was Iva many years ago. I'm thinking of a wintry morning in February and a conversation. You need to know this was the winter in which, at long last, my Ph.D. was accomplished. Tetelestai, it is finished. Here our advisory board met this weekend and we honored in our midst one of our great alumni, the class of 2009, Jennifer Williams, who spoke with vim, vigor, vitality, and pepperino to us, partly because she has completed her Ph.D. at the University of Michigan, and she is here today, and I'd like to ask her to stand so that you may greet her and honor her. Jennifer Williams. In that winter of said completion, we began the, earlier in the year an 8.30 a.m. worship service. We had a 10.30 service, and we were growing somewhat, and we wanted to have the sacrament weekly, so we added an 8.30 a.m. service. And Iva was a regular attender in her mid-80s, vigorous, rigorous, had lived through happily three marriages, run a grocery store all her life, a farm child from the North Country. She ran our building. She was so good. One day she said to me, Bob, why do you say to the janitor he's doing such a good job? And I said, Iva, I do so because he's doing a good job. And she said, he is not. She took me to the second pew, and underneath there was a little pencil, and she said, do you see that? That's been there for two and a half weeks. I'm watching that pencil. (laughs) You get a feeling. She came in that morning, 10 below zero. She had had her hair done, as many had Saturday, so she had one of those, I don't know the name of it, plastic bonnets that sometimes people wear. They fold up to the size of a quarter, but in inclement weather you can undo them, you can put them over your head, And the snow came falling with her. She came in. She took off her bonnet. By the way, much conversation occurred in the beauty shop, so if I needed to know something from Saturday, I had coffee with the the haberdasher there on Monday morning, a wonderful practice. She came in. She said, I'm so angry. I'm so fit to be tied. I said, you mean you're like Paul who wrote to the Galatians when he was so angry he could spit nails. She said, don't throw the Bible at me. I'm quite upset this morning. I said, what happened? She said, oh, you know, I have that second house, and I rented it this year to a couple of chemists, post-docs, wonderful people, by the way, I had met them. She said, oh, they went away for the weekend. They left the basement window open. A pipe burst, and now I have a skating rink in my basement. I'm so angry. But after a while, she mellowed and said, of course, I am coming to the sacrament. I am coming to church. I suppose I should be a little more forbearing, a little more forgiving, a little more compassionate. Mm-hmm. She said, but, and after all, I mean, listen, they do have PhDs. I mean, they're good people, but they, they're sort of ethereal and thinking, they do have PhDs, I mean, I said they have PhDs. She said, yes, they do. They have PhDs, and then 
It keeps me chuckling to this day, 26 years later. She looked me in the eye and said, I mean, they have PhDs. You really can't expect much. And then she said, oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean you, Bob. I didn't mean you. Well, she had at least in view that learning is not meaning. Learning is good, but meaning is the grace invested in learning. She saw the difference between learning and meaning. And though I'm hopeful that that morning we in due order celebrated the Lord's Supper, I trust we did, the detail of it is long gone. But her conversation, a mother, a grandmother in the faith, keeping us abreast of the disciplines of faith, that's still there to this day. Believe me, your words outlast your deeds. We have our conversation not just with sisters, but with the scripture. We listen today to lamentations attributed but not written by, or attributed to but not written by Jeremiah. These are poems in acrostic fashion, these paragraphs, meant to be memorized. So Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleth, A, B, C, D. And they recall the hurt, the seemingly senseless, meaningless deportation to Babylon. They were hunting for meaning. Learning would not suffice there. They needed meaning. Your learning, as important as it is, is no substitute for your sense of meaning. And there in those poems, they remembered over long time, and there developed a faith, a sturdier faith, one that had a sense of responsibility for sin, one that had a sense of discipline through struggle, one that had, had a sense of the need for patience, one that had a sense of a combination of justice and love. Real religion is never very far from justice, but justice, though a part of the gospel, is not the heart of the gospel. Justice is a part of the gospel, but not the heart of the gospel. The gospel in a word is not dikaiosune, Greek righteousness, justice. The gospel in a word is love. So in our conversation with St. Luke in the 17th chapter, we hear again the story guiding us to the following. Your field work is no substitute for your domestic duties. Your learning is no substitute for a sense of meaning. Yes, we're glad for the declensions and conjugations you memorized, for the computer science to which you've been introduced, for the periodic table that you've learned. Learning, good, very good. But it will not alone get you to meaning. Here at Marsh Chapel, we are in the grace business, not the talent business. And we'd rather have graceful talent combined. We'd rather have ungraceful talent than graceless talent. We are in the talent, the grace business in the midst of many talents. Did you notice in this parable, by the way, that the form of slavery, the civil form of slavery, is assumed? There it is. It's in the Bible. 
Do we therefore in our time continue that practice because it's written in the scriptures? But of course not. And yet, for six verses across the 39 books of the Hebrew Scripture and the 27 of the Newer Testament, six verses alone about homosexuality, those inerrantists, those absolutists, those fundamentalists will find there in Scripture a basis for bigotry against gay people. The Bible, just like you do, the Bible has a story to a history in our conversation with scripture we are reminded that as important as our learning is it is meaning the gift of the grace of God that finally will see us through the time of lamentations and finally will carry us through the fieldwork and the domestic duties your fieldwork is no substitute for your domestic duties men in the congregation and listening for all the combination of work, male and female in the home, studies still show that with two breadwinners, women do at least 50% more of the domestic care than do men to this day. No, we have a ways to go, miles to go, before we sleep. Our conversation with sisters and brothers and with the scripture itself guides us finally to spirit this day. In our congregation are some undergraduates. We see them this Sunday, and we will see them perhaps during the week, but also and more so a week from today. We send you off, off into the needs and challenges of this coming week, and we send you with a sense of God's abiding love. We can't be with you, but we can entrust you to another presence, another's presence, and our conversation here we hope, trust, will nourish you for the days to come. Where this abiding grace and meaning and care, this divine meaning, found in the footprints of spirit right in our midst, not just Sunday or even mainly Sunday, but all through the week, in love. Love is the attentive gift of time in love. In joy, in that which gladdens your heart and causes you to embrace. You tell me where you embrace and I will tell you who you are. In peace, said the Buddha, peace is self-compassion that offers us a sense of equanimity. Peace is a capacity carefully to listen. In patience, some of you came today by automobile. You know that you need both an accelerator and a brake. You need persistence to get up the hill and across the river and down through the desert and beside the mountains. But you also need that brake pedal, that patience to guide you through those times when another turn needs to be made. In patience. In kindness, kindness is the long haul. It is the capacity of the long-distance runner on her way into and through the marrow of life with, in addition, an openness to forgiveness. Goodness, really, the word is generosity. You only have 
what you have given away. You only lastingly possess what you have used the freedom, the liberty to give to someone else. That's the gift of generosity, God's abiding love. Faith, faith itself, as are all these, is a gift. Faith is the gift of God's grace, giving a sense of meaning to every day, giving the capacity to take another step when it's a dreary and dark morning and you might a little bit falter without it. Faith is the capacity to withstand when we cannot understand. And faith is the courage to face hurt with honesty, fear with a sense of forbearance, grief with a sense of grace, and death with a sense of dignity. Death makes us mortal. Facing death makes us human. Death is natural. Facing, facing death is great, graceful. Gentleness is the sunset, a cup of tea, the pause in worship and prayer, a moment of abiding grace, gentleness, and self-control. Yesterday in the afternoon, we celebrated the sacramental rite of holy matrimony here with a couple who will in discipline over the next several weeks, months, years, decades, in self-control, guide and shape their interaction with extended family, their care for intimacy, sexuality, and should God so bless and they so, so chills, choose children, their stewardship of resources of which there is never enough, but there's always plenty, and their sense of community, not just religious community, though that, but a sense of community to build civil society. If there's one thing across this land that we've discovered that we have forgotten over the last two decades, it's the importance, de Tocqueville could remind us, of civil society, north, south, east, west. That is, we send you to another's presence, but not alone. You have the footsteps, the marks of the Spirit with you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. May that moment of conversation in siblinghood and in sacrament and in scripture and in spirit be yours all the week long. Today in World Communion Sunday as we come to the table, a few of us remember Vancouver in 1983, a beautiful vista of the Pacific Ocean, and from all around the globe, singing hundreds together under a tent, there Philip Potter, there Emilio Castro, there Margaret Webb, there John Thurber, all together. In Christ there is no east or west, in him no south or north, but one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. In him shall true hearts everywhere their high communion find. His service is the golden cord, close binding all humankind. Sacrament as conversation, conversation as sacrament. May grace and meaning and love be ours to trust this and every day. Amen.
Please be seated. Good morning. We welcome you again to the nave of Marsh Chapel on this drizzly fall morning. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks especially to our alumni who are with us this Sunday. We invite those of you who are seated in the pews to share in our ritual of friendship by printing your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew. That helps us get to know you better and you get to know each other better. A few announcements from our Marsh Chapel community. Today is World Communion Sunday, a Sunday which promotes Christian unity and ecumenical cooperation through our celebration of the Eucharist. We invite all to come and partake of this holy meal. Wine will be served on the pulpit side, on this side, and grape juice will be available on the lectern side. A healing prayer station is available for those who wish to utilize it underneath the first window over here on the pulpit side. After the service, we invite you to join us in our monthly potluck potluck luncheon in the Marsh Room, um, located on the lower level of the chapel. And now, with a few announcements from the music department, our music director, Scott Allen Jarrett. Good morning. It's nice to see you and to greet you. Um, we welcome to the organ console this morning my very good friend Brian Jones, longtime organist and choir master at Trinity Copley Square. Justin Blackwell is on vacation this morning, uh, and we welcome Brian to leadership uh, at the organ console. Thank you, Brian. I have uh, in possession for whoever beats me first free ticket vouchers for this afternoon's Lorelei Ensemble concert. Lorelei Ensemble is our artist in residence, our ensemble in residence at Marsh Chapel. They opened their concert season this weekend, concerts last night and this afternoon, and it's just down the street in the 808 Art Gallery. And I have lovely free vouchers for tickets. So uh, I'll be in the narthex after the service, and uh, whoever gets to me first will be the happy recipient of a wonderful concert. The singing music of Hildegard von Bingen, Guillaume Dufay, Luciano Berrio, Kate Soper, Libby Larson. If you have not experienced Lorelei in person, I urge you to go down the street this afternoon at 4 o'clock. They are a remarkable and amazing ensemble of superiorly, extraordinarily, exceptionally, all other superlatives, talented uh, uh, women. And uh, this music of old and new, uh, you shouldn't miss. So catch me if you'd like a ticket. Thanks very much, Jess. Uh, For all other news and announcements, we invite you to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as our website, bu.edu slash chapel, where there is also the opportunity for online giving. Now, as the ushers wait upon us, let us remember that it is a joy and a discipline to be a giver.
for the work before us, the life within us, the fellowship among us, and thy love that surrounds us. We give thee thanks, O Lord. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray in Christ. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You have made from one every nation and people to live on all the face of the earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. He commissioned us to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth, to make disciples of all nations. And today his family in all the world is joining at his holy table. On on the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Renew our communion with your church throughout the world and strengthen it in every nation and among every people to witness faithfully to your name. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us now to temptation.
Together, let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Friends, just moments before we began our hour of worship, we greeted dear, distinguished friends, the Reverend and Mrs. Gill and Grace Caldwell and their colleague, Annie Britton. We have known them for years by reputation through their leadership in our region in affirming the full humanity of gay people near and far. Gil and I are going to reconsecrate with him his commitment to that ministry into the unforeseen future with Grace and Annie present following the service about 12.15. Should any of you care to join us, please sit in the front pews and we will engage a brief liturgy of reconsecration. Let us pray. O Lord, support us all the day long of this troublous life until the shadows lengthen, the evening comes, the busy world is hushed, the fever of life is over, and our work is done. 
then in thy mercy grant us a safe rest, happy lodging, and peace at the last. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.